0: Welcome heroes to the Crit Academy. I am your host Justin.
1: And I'm your co-host Ryan.
0: This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs.
1: We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you to your next adventure.
0: Thanks for joining us today here at the Crit Academy Studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter.
1: Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a kobold without a pack.
0: Uh, I love kobolds. I don't. I love killing kobolds. Well, that's the best part about them, is they die easily. Right. (laughs) (laughs) On today's show, we're going to hear feedback from Fabio Valera from Facebook. What a name. I know, Fabio. That name just resonates sexiness. It's almost like somebody sexy had that name. Oh, yeah, you know. Someone (laughs) like, some long, flowing brown locks. Oh, man, beautiful stuff.
1: Got some Tarek hair going on.
0: Like that Tarzan body, too, man. Man, (laughs) if I wasn't happily married to Alicia, I would (laughs) spank a little bottom like that, man. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Um, today our main topic will be an in-depth look at the classes The Bard and The Rogue.
1: Then we'll move on to our personal favorite segment, the Unearthed Tips and Tricks.
0: That's where we deliver new and reusable material for you to bring with you on your next adventure.
1: But before all that, let's have a little talk about what's going on in the realm.
0: What's going on with you today, Ryan? Well,
1: um, not much has changed since last week. spent some time with family over Christmas, just kind of enjoying my break from school right now.
0: Uh, That's got to be nice change of pace. Yeah, I
1: got a couple of weeks off where I have to get back into the swing of things. So
0: Ain't nothing wrong with that. I don't know. What about you? Uh, I got several new games for Christmas, and I have to say I've got Final Fantasy 15, and it's awesome. <clears throat> I have sunk way more time than I'd like to admit into the game, <laughs> and it's very enjoyable. If you haven't ever played a Final Fantasy, this is one that can get you into it. It kind of replaced the turn-based combat with live action, but has an option for wait combat, so when you stop your character moving, time freezes, so Hmm. you can actually assess everything that's going on, which is the way I run it, and then when I re-engage in combat, everything goes back into a a live feed, uh, live action play, which is really great, um, since my brain is slow and can't keep up with all the (laughs) dozens of monsters that they throw at me. Outside of that, I got a really new, uh, a really cool tile set. Yeah, My wife got me for Christmas, and it's awesome. I'll put pictures up and show you. They're called Terra Tiles, And these things are like 8-inch uh, diameter X squares. And you can mix and match them. The set she got me is from the uh, Misty Moreland set, which... Is enough to cover almost like a four by eight table or something like that. It is huge. It's big. And they're double sided. Right. And some of the sides come with just like grasslands with little different plants and stuff. Some have boulders and rivers and all these different things. And I actually took a picture when I got the the set and I just pulled the top like ten tiles, which by the way was not even close to how many there was in there. I was I like after I built this whole giant grid, which was more than enough for a game. I hadn't even gone through 10% of the total tiles. I don't know exactly how many are in it, but it's a lot. But I came up with this, just by tossing things together, I came up with this very interesting map. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, wow, no, I didn't. But that literally was just me throwing the top few tiles together. Um, And I'll post these pictures on our Facebook so you can look at them. But it's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. And I threw that together with what I drew. Right. Which shows how easy it is to create an area. So. Wow. I'm really excited to give that a shot. Obviously, I'm going to try it with you with maybe Gamma World or 4th Edition or something. Um, or I'll toss it in with our 5th Edition games uh, for more intricate combat. But So these Terra tiles, uh, they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. My wife paid about 60 bucks for them. But as far as I can tell right now, even though I haven't used them, they are more than worth the, right. the cost.
1: So moving back right from there, we have, a, as you mentioned, we have a Facebook question from Fabio Valerio. Um, and He wants to know, how can I increase the variety of shields in-game? without just having to make them magic or give them, giving them a plus one or a plus two, etc., you know? Right. So, essentially, you know, in what ways can he spice up shields?
0: Yeah, for those of you who don't know, in 5th edition, there's only one stat for shield. It's called shield, and it gives you a plus two bonus to AC. Yeah. That's it. It yep. doesn't matter if it's a buckler, it doesn't matter if it's a kite shield, it doesn't matter if it's a tower shield.
1: Yeah, so essentially, yeah, you have the basic shield that gives you plus two, and then, you know... You have options in, with magic items and creating shields that do other things like, oh, you can throw it, it's a boomerang, and stuff like that. Right, but I
0: think his, his question, and this is where we're going to go with it, is more directed as, how can I do that without making it magical? Right. And so we brainstorm a few ideas over hot wings, which are awesome, by the way. So one of the ones I think we started with was the tower shield. Yeah. This is a variant I've actually used for a player because this came up in a game. He says, hey, I'm a giant dragonborn fighter. Can I get a giant shield? And I, of course, asked him where was he going with it. Um, he's like, well, I want to be able to use it as a defensive maneuver. In 4th edition, you could do total defense, right. which increased AC and all these other features. But, so what I did is I made a deal with him. I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I will let you use that as partial cover. But in return, he has to use his movement to take that, to take that positioning. So he'll basically plow his shield into the ground and hide behind hunker behind it. Right. And that's gonna take all his movement action, which means he can't move, he can't do anything as far as why he's hiding behind that shield. And
1: you also would allow one other player to take cover with it. They could right? use him as partial cover. Or not as well. player, but one other character. Yeah, to another cover with him.
0: another creature could use him as cover as well, which right. is kind of cover in uh, other player cover is covered in the the DMG right. so it wasn't a big deal to allow that. Um But the advantage he did is he really felt like he could go up block everyone off and take the focus of the damage while he's hiding behind it. And then when he's not, get up and, and, you know, charge around. So what he ended up doing is picking up a sidearm, a a sidearm. He ended up picking up a hand crossbow. And he would, while he was holding his shield, he would just poke his weapon over top of it and shoot at it. Hmm. And he took, he called it the total defense maneuver. That was his thing. And that was a really good. It wasn't magical. It was a little more flavor, and it gave him a mechanical advantage in combat that he could use. And that, So that's what we kind of used Tower Shield for. We only used that in one or two games, so I don't know that that's super balanced. It didn't seem to affect my game at all, mostly because when I build and play my characters, I play them with that in mind. Well, how are they going to react to this guy hungering behind a shield? They're going to move on to somebody else. Right. <laughs> you know, so.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: Another variant we came up with was a buckler you know which is just a small round shield
0: that attaches um, onto your forearm right
1: yeah and the buckler bucklers in general are really interesting because they're not as much used for blocking shots and just absorbing damage as they are for you know swatting away so we figured you could use it as a parry like as you said um the uh, the sets we came up with were, were that you can only use it with a finesse weapon, so like a, a rapier or a short sword. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're not going to be using a, a big long sword and you know tiny buckler trying to knock things right. away. Um, but essentially, depending, but your DM could decide a range, and whenever someone rolls an attack roll on you and they hit in that range, then so, you know maybe it's fifteen and sixteen, or maybe it's just one number and it's like seventeen. Right. If They hit that number, you parry, and you're right. able to absorb the damage you take. Now, the trade-off that is that it doesn't increase your AC at all. Right. Because you have this opportunity to... Get a free blow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't mention that. Not only do you reduce damage you take, but you're allowed a repost and you're allowed right. to strike back. Use your reaction for that.
0: Yeah. And, and that really... So the trade-off is, instead of taking the AC bonus, you get damage, raw damage mitigation, right. now a small chance, Right. as well as an opportunity to get a free blow. The three of us that discussed this thought that that was a fair and worth the risk. Right. Especially yeah. depending on the class that's running it.
1: Yeah, you know, it kind of adds more variety to the, sh- the sword and board. Instead of just running in there and kind of tanking shots, now you're actually trying to avoid and, you know, counterattack. Right. Which I think adds a bit of... Which I think adds a bit of a variety. Uh, we came up with some extra, you know, mechanics. Like, you could use your shield to... Give extra shove distance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, maybe when you shove someone with it, you get you can push them twice as far, or you, you can even use it to brace a shove. If someone tries to push you, you can t- try to absorb it with the shield. Maybe
0: give some sort of advantage against the shove save. Yeah, a bonus um, to your save.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite. Check. Sorry. Yeah, one of my favorite ideas was um, using a shield spike. Yes. You know, putting a spike on your shield and being able to use it as a weapon. You know, maybe if they're a. Like I said, like a sword and board, they can use their uh, action, standard action or attack action to attack with their main hand, and then they can use your, their bonus action to attack with the sword and maybe do like a 1d4.
0: Yeah, it's essentially two-weapon fighting, but with yeah. a shield. Yeah, um, and the damage is going to be
1: much lower. Like right. I said, it's probably going to be like a d4, not a d8 like your longsword is. Mm. But it's extra damage, and it adds that incentive to add some variety to your character. Right,
0: and, and also it gives you more access for your players to have more variety in their game. Right. They may not want to take any of these options. Maybe they just want the regular one with the plus two, and that's okay. That's the way the game's designed. We're not here to say we're better designers than the right. wizards, but we definitely like giving options to our players who request them, because the game is about the player. What does the player want, and what can we do to deliver on that yeah. that they want? And you can argue whether it's balanced or not balanced. If you're a good DM, that's not a real... Issue you can always overcome it unless that person is outshining the other players. Right. And that you can always adjust it. That later. is
1: something that we should probably mention. This isn't you know these ideas we're we're mentioning aren't things that have been play tested. Right. and you know, have been you know put under the microscope. You know, we we kind of sat down and brainstormed a couple of ideas. and These were the first things that came to mind.
0: Right. Um, the only one I think I've actually used is the tower shield yeah. concept. So take
1: them, you know, try them out, see how they work. It, you know, if they're a little strong, but you like the concept, nerf them down a little bit, maybe right. change a couple of things. Or if you hate it, you hate it. Don't right. use it. You know, not every idea is a great idea. But
0: every idea we come up with is a great idea. Though. <laughs> Just saying.
1: But that, that that's basically what we came up with. I hope we answered your question. I hope we uh. It gave you a couple ideas that you can you know bring to your game.
0: Thank you for your question, Fabio. Influ- On to our main topic. The first class that we're going to discuss is the Bard.
1: Bard's a lot of fun.
0: Well, what is a Bard? Well, the,
1: a Bard, in the traditional sense, is a musician. Minstrel, right? Yeah. Well, minstrel minstrel's a little different.
0: They just sing, right? With a little ding 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 I guess I ding, was ding, thinking ding. of,
1: like, American minstrels. and. Offensive.
0: <laughs> anyway. I was thinking more in the terms. I was just playing Fable, and the guy sings of my greatness every time yeah. I talk to him. Yeah, and in fact, am pay him
1: and he sings for you. I
0: think I'm a narcissist, because I like talking to him a lot. <laughs> I love that guy.
1: Um, yeah, Bard's a musician, and in D&D, it's a spellcaster that uses music and their voice to wreak
2: havoc.
0: Yeah, they empower their voice with magic. Yeah. Whether it's to have a quickie one-liner that brings you to your knees or a word of encouragement to heal your aching wounds
1: yeah um bars are really fun because in my opinion or at least the way i play them it, it tends to be very trolly um, yes those and, are the best bards, man. yeah and it's just fun to you know especially when you're using a spell like vicious mockery which is such a silly spell um mm-hmm. to just be silly and fun and have fun with it you know
0: oh yeah You know, bards, they are... I like them because they're lore seekers. And it gives me an opportunity to play a class that's really big on seeking out, uh, you know, stories of great heroes. And what's cool is that as I'm seeking these stories out, I'm generating these stories, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. A cool thing
1: that bards have is they have this thing called Bardic Inspiration, where, based on their level, they have a, a certain type of die... Yeah, it starts at a D6, and it eventually makes its way up to a D12. The
0: bard class, you know, it's got... Every class has a unique set of equipment or features, and what makes the bard interesting is they start with musical instruments of your choice. Um, now, depending on... There, there's some choices in the book you can get. You can get the lyre, the, the a flute, and whatnot, but if, you're, if you've got a creative mind and a DM who's willing, you can really come up with whatever idea you want. I personally love the idea of some sort of, uh, axe in the form of a guitar, you know? Like ETC? Like ETC? Who's that? Elite Torn Chieftain?
1: From. Wow? Oh, the giant Torn that plays a guitar? You ever played Heroes of the Storm either? No. You So remember the Dark Moon Fair in WoW? Uh huh. If you go there, there's like a big, like. He's like a. He's a big giant Torn that's playing like an electric guitar that's an axe. He's like.
0: Ugh. Oh, yeah, see, I didn't know that. <laughs> Obviously, that doesn't make sense for, uh. A bard's character, though, because right. they don't—they're not strength based. But right. you know, I, I always like the idea of creative weapons. So if you and your DM can get in and get in on that, come up with some uh, creative.
1: My bards usually play either a flute or bagpipes and use like vicious mockery or um,
0: bagpipes. That's a good one. What's the one that? It's not on that list, is it?
1: It is. Oh, it is. What's the one that? Oh, what's the bard ex, the bard spell that you can use? Actually, I, don't, I think it might be a bard ability. Like you can try to enter like. Mess up their attack, cutting words. Cutting words. Thank you. And my cutting words are I just like Mah! really loud on the bagpipe. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> Very cool. So obviously they, they, you know, they usually are finesse based. They have access to rapiers and long swords, but most cases people go with finesse or even maybe a long bow or something yeah. along those lines.
1: I they, personally actually try to stay away from any using any weapons.
0: Me too. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, that's bard. what makes them. Fun. Yeah, because
1: in my mind, I picture the bard as, you know, someone who doesn't know how to use weapons, like, doesn't really know what they're doing. And so then sometimes when you do randomly pull out a sword and just random, you know, get that lucky shot that kills the boss, it's like, whoa,
0: what happened? <laughs> like, do you see that Spider-Man trailer where he kicks those guys' yeah. ass? He's like, whoa, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit of excitement like that. Um, They do have access to spells. Their spell list is uh, quite nice. It's not nearly as big as the, the wizard, so the wizards, but... It does it give you access no to. to that's true. It gives you access to a lot of good stuff, and plus some unique stuff only the bard has access yeah. to. But what makes them the most inspiring character class ha, 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 is the inspiration. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Um. So bardic inspiration, what it is, is you have a inspiration die, and it starts at a d6, and eventually it works its way up all the way to a d12, I believe. And what what it does is you can inspire. Someone else through your words or your music, and you can sing them a little ditty. Personally, <laughs> as a DM, I like to force my pl- my bards to actually sing something. That's funny. Or, may, like, at least have a recite a limerick or something.
0: I remember uh, I played a bard once with my buddy who was a Goliath and barbarian, and we came into combat. And I said, "All right, are you ready to rock?" And I said, "We will, <laughs> And then the barbarian smashed the guy with a rock fuck you (laughs) shit like that that's the bard man right and
1: so essentially what it is is next time they make an attack roll or an ability check or anything that they roll a d24 they can if they choose to roll that inspiration die and add it to that
0: right which can be really useful it can make or break some stuff
1: this obviously isn't something that helps you as much it's more it's a buff for your party which is super useful.
0: Yeah, we've had this discussion that I love support characters. Right. The bard is one of my favorite because it is all about support. He's not out there to hit the highest numbers in damage. He's not out there to be the, the the big tank and tank the most damage. He's out there to encourage everybody else to do all the work. And the biggest thing about <laughs> it is
1: it's a bonus action.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So you so, can still do other stuff.
1: Yeah, you can take your turn and then... I shoot people. If you didn't use your bonus action... Oh, uh, I'll inspire uh, Gregory. And I don't know why Gregory was the only name I could think of,
0: but Gregory, how am I, How are you inspired by his words? Right, it touches my soul.
1: They also have access to a couple really like useful things, like they have jack of all trades. Which... I I
0: love that. I love being the skill monkey. I, <laughs> you know, one thing that gets overlooked, and this is no shot at other DMs or anything. There's some DMs that don't focus as much on. The skills, skills, and I think that that's uh, a lost opportunity. But when you do have a group that n- needs that large repertoire, jack of all trades, you know, allows you to do that. They're allowed to add half their proficiency bonus, rounded down, to any uh, ability check that they make. That doesn't already include their proficiency bonus. That basically makes them pretty much great at everything. Yeah. Early on, it's not as noticeable, but the higher level you get and the growing of that proficiency, it becomes quite noticeable. The other ability they have is, you know what? I personally love when I'm in the hospital and you've got that soothing, rocking music. They have the song of rest, which essentially allows them to heal. uh
1: Whenever you take a short rest and use hit die, any character that uses hit die to regain hit points can use Uh, gain an extra, starting at D6, and it actually lines up with your Bardic Inspiration Mm -hmm. die. Um, An extra one of those in hit points, in their regained hit points.
0: Which is really great if, A, you don't have any healers. Yeah. I mean, because a Bard can heal, but he doesn't have to have healing powers. This ability he gets just for hitting level 2. Right. You know, so even if they're not not running a healing build, this is a really good option to kind of offset the incoming damage.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they have, there's a, there's a, uh, we haven't touched, uh, reached any classes that use it yet, but there are a couple classes that you have an ability called Expertise, which is amazing. And essentially what it does is it lets you pick two, uh, skill proficiencies, and whenever you make a check using those skills, you double your proficiency bonus.
0: Yeah, getting which, that at level three is awesome. Which
1: at low levels is nice, but at high levels is huge.
0: Oh, for sure. Especially,
1: you know, when you if your proficiency bonus is the plus four, and then you've got like a plus four in that thing. You're getting a plus twelve.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> taking expertise is one of the best abilities, in my opinion, for the person who likes diplomacy, who likes to bluff their way out yeah. of situations, because you really you could <laughs> you could convince a dragon that his horde has been stolen and he's sitting right on top of it right. with a high enough check. You know what I mean? At fifth level, they get uh, well. We. Uh, we shouldn't mention that. Also, at level three, you get bard college. We'll go yes. into each one of those, but basically, it's a specialized.
1: It's the bards' version of the archetypes.
0: Right, right. And yeah. That's their. They get the college of lore and the college of valor, and we will detail those as after we go through all the core abilities.
1: Yep. At fifth level, they get uh, font of inspiration, um, which. Uh, I guess I should have mentioned this. Bardic inspiration: you regain all of your inspiration die when you finish a long rest. Font of inspiration: you regain them all when you finish a short rest. Um, you
0: skipped ability score increase too. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: every class gets ability score increases. Yeah, you
0: sh- we should still. I yeah. think we should still mention it. Okay. Um, at fourth level, you get the traditional feat or ability score increase, followed by the font of inspiration.
1: Um, you also get score increases at eighth, twelfth, sixteenth, and nineteenth level. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing super. Out of the ordinary there. At 6th level, they gain counter-charm, and they're able to use uh, musical notes or words of power to disrupt
0: mind-influencing effects. Unfortunately, it's a very situational
1: ability. What it does is you kind of put on a little performance that gives anyone who can see you, all friendly creatures within 30 feet that can see and hear you, um, advantage on saves against being frightened or charmed. Which you know, if you're fighting like a mind flayer,
0: or even a dragon that has the frightening presence, yeah, this would be a good opportunity. Though that for can those. be very, very helpful. <laughs> you can imagine, how dare you enter my lair?
2: Just fr-
0: <laughs> <laughs> start busting away! I've got this, fellas. So um, it's definitely a very potent ability. I feel like you'll find more use at higher levels yeah. than you will at lower levels, but definitely very uh, useful. So, Magical Secrets is really interesting. It lets you choose two spells from any class, including the Bard one. The spells that you choose, they count as Bard spells. So, what does that mean? This Bard can sing a fireball. Right. Or, give him haste. I mean, some of the most powerful spells that are in other characters' repertoires become available to you.
1: And, you know, a big thing about it is not only can you use those spells... But you also use them with your. They become bard spells, so right. you use them with your, your charisma. Yep. Not you know. Normally, if you take a spell from the wizard spell table, you have to use intelligence for that spell. Yep. Not not in this case, which is really strong. Uh, especially oh, like, like like you said, fireball. That's such a strong ability to be able to cast that not as an intelligence class with your charisma modifier. Is is, is it's, it's it's just strong. There's there's no other way to put it. <laughs>
0: and. I mean that just gives that right there gives it one more uh, unique separation between you and another bard because you only get you get to pick two when you get it at level ten and then you get to pick two more at fourteenth and again at eighteenth. Yeah, so you can pick from a vast variety of spells that you wouldn't otherwise have access to, making you potentially the most versatile class.
1: Right. Um. Yeah, and it can be any type of spell. I mean, it can be like a revivify. So you know you can take it at for more defensive or supportive spells like heal or to revivify, or you can take as you said things like fireball. And like you said, the bards do have access to some healing, but you can get even more potent healing like this, or even more
0: potent damage spells.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: or if you want to go the utility route, there's definitely some mind manipulation, some fu yeah. stuff in there that you can get access to as well.
1: Yep. And then the the final of the core um, features is at twentieth level. Uh, It's called Superior Inspiration at 20th level. When you roll initiative and you don't have any Inspiration die left, you get one back. Which, you know, it's for one of those, you know, if you've been drawn out and you've just been encounter, encounter, encounter after encounter after encounter, you're just getting hammered by these bad guys, throw you a bone, give you an extra Inspiration (laughs) die. Throw
0: throw you a die. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And you get that one, level 20?
1: Yeah, level 20. So, Uh, yeah, that's your, you know, your capstone ability. So, moving on into the Bard Colleges. First, we have the College of Lore. Now, this, is, this
0: college is based on that you know a little bit about everything. You've
1: got an approximate knowledge of many things. Yeah,
0: and I, I really like that because if the, we, we constantly talk about if the DM would allow it. In my opinion, this game is designed that the DM should be encouraging creativity. And if the DM allow it, there's no reason why you shouldn't have an understanding of a little bit of everything. And this class kind of exemplifies that. When I played a college bard, I would always ask my DM, "Well, what do I know about this?" Because it isn't, "Do I know anything?" It's, "What do I know?" Because my class feature says I know a little bit out of everything. Now I might only know that it has no weaknesses. I might know that it has a weakness. I might only know its name. Dear God, I hope he throw me a bigger bone than that. But this really it's is a, big. Yeah, <laughs> this really is an opportunity to really play a character who understands the world around them. Essentially, the College of Lore is kind of the academic
1: side of the bard, you know? You know, they have that, you know, academic curiosity where they want to... The reason they know a little bit about everything is because they want to know a little little bit about everything.
0: They're seekers of truth.
1: Yeah, they, they seek out knowledge. You know, this isn't the kind of bard that's going out trying to, you know, accomplish these great deeds and be sung about for years. You know, this is the guy who's out trying to learn.
0: He just wants to know, why is there moss always on the north side of a tree? You know, It's a seeker of truth, and that really is great for the type of player who wants to know more about the world, hence College of Lore.
1: Yeah, so uh, when you first choose the bar, uh, College of Lore, you get two things. One, you gain some bonus proficiencies. You get to gain proficiency with three more skills. Three's a lot.
0: Well, and if you <laughs> if you consider that they also get expertise on top of that, I mean they and are... and the jack of all trades. I mean, it's just yeah. they are like you a, are a skill, skill mo-. whore. Yeah, you know you can do everything pretty much. Um, kind of like we did earlier with the outlet. I don't really know what I'm doing changing that breaker box, but I did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing again at level three is what I was talking about a minute ago: cutting words. Um, which any when anytime someone you can see that's within, I think it's 60 feet, uh, makes an attack roll or an ability check or even a damage roll. You can use one of your Bardic Inspiration die, roll that, and subtract whatever you roll from the other creature's roll.
0: This, as a DM, I think is one of my favorite abilities that the players get to use. They have an opportunity to totally stiff some of my attacks with this. And I love that because that's them taking an opportunity to say, Oh, I can protect this person, but there's always a cost. I'm, we've had this discussion that I am not a fan of, I use this ability. How do you use this ability? Right. And yeah, I was going to
1: say, as a, as a DM, I would say encourage or even force him to, you know, how did you distract him? What did you say that distracted him?
0: Hey, your mama's half-orc. Right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Little one-liners. Yeah. They come out of cutting words a lot.
1: Exactly. And, you know, the bard is, playing a bard is Genuinely for someone who is more comfortable with role playing and is more outgoing. Oh, for sure. Um, You know, if it's your maybe if it's your first D and D experience, maybe the bard's not the right class because you know you're you're not getting as much out of your character if you're not really.
0: I would agree with that. Stepping
1: forward and and really role playing your character. Um, Not that I'm discouraging playing the bard because the bard is a very fun class.
0: I agree. But it's one of those things that. It requires a sense of finesse, so to speak, to really get the most out of. Saying I use cutting words on them, to me, is really lackluster. So cutting words, that's the meat and potatoes of the College of Lore. At level 6, they get magical secrets. More spells! More spells from any class.
1: Keep in mind, at level 6, you know, you already know 9 spells and 3 cantrips. And then your magical secrets has already given you. No, you haven't learned magical no, secrets. No, you get yet. that at level ten. But so now you're he at stacks with it, though. Yeah. So now you gain two more.
0: That's so many spells. Which represents your 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 wealth of knowledge, right? The the more yeah. you know, the more <laughs> <Yep>. you know. <laughs>
1: and you know you can even choose extra bard spells because they don't. These spells that you're picking don't count against the bard spells you already know. Right. So you gain your spells you have in your table, which is your nine spells and your three cantrips and then these two magical secret spells, and then the other six magical secret spells.
0: I love customization, and this is just one more level of customization. Yeah. Once again, even if you've got two bards at the table, no. two run in the same college of lore, they're going to end up different.
2: Yeah,
1: they're going to have different spells. They're going to do different things. Peerless skill at level 14th. Whenever you make an ability check, you can use one of your bardic inspiration die on yourself. As with most mechanics like this, you can choose whether or not to use the Bardic Inspiration die before or after you make the roll, but it has to be before the DM tells, the, tells you the result. So, oh, I, uh, I, try, you know, if you, if you try to make an attack roll, oh, you miss. Oh, well, I'm going to use Bardic Inspiration die. <laughs> it doesn't I,
0: work like that. I've got to use this on once because you'll notice you specifically said you get to use it on yourself because you can't use it on yourself up to that point. Right. So when my character unlocked this ability, he went and bought a mirror. Oh, my in a God. a comb. So when he needed to feel a bit of inspiration, he he'd, in the mirror. he'd bust out his mirror, and he'd bring out his comb, and he'd swipe in his hair as he's talking. He's, You're going to do a good job today, buddy. You're going to take this guy out. You're not going to have any problems. You're going to make all these guys look like fools. You've, you've got this. Ooh. And a smile with a little twinkle in his teeth. I'll never forget that, because that was one of the funnest nights of my life. Mm-hmm. Everyone's reaction when I told them I busted out a mirror in the middle of combat was priceless. <laughs> But that's a good example of really having fun with these things. The College of Valor. This one is less about lore and educating yourself and more about battle. Now, if you do want to be higher on the, the battle side and more skilled in combat, this is the, the bard build you would take. Yeah. You still have a lot of utility as a bard with all the core abilities, but this one more focuses on uh, a combat aspect of yeah,
1: it. Yeah, this is the bard who wants to go gather great stories of glory and you know battle and... Perhaps even have it, have his own songs of battle and glory written. When you choose the College of Valor, like you get, you gain your bonus proficiencies. But instead of choosing three more skills, you gain proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons.
0: The martial weapons is a big deal. Yeah, because
1: prior to this, bards only have access to light armor, simple weapons, and then a couple like hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords,
0: which are all designed to improve your your, your, battle, combat. your
1: combat prowess. Ooh,
0: that's nice. Um, I like that. Did
1: you uh, Read that. Well, Did you read that?
0: No. Oh, well delivered. <laughs>
1: uh, also, third level, when you uh, choose this college, you learn to inspire others in battles. When another friendly creature has one of your bardic inspiration die, they can now use that inspiration die on their damage roll as well as their attack roll. Or, when an attack roll is made against that creature, they can use their bardic inspiration die in the same way that you use cutting words. Yes. As a uh, lore bard, where they reduce the they increase roll of the their attack AC coming in on them. Yes,
0: essentially. Well, this one just increases the AC. The, oh, you're right. The other one lowers the attack. of That's the enemy. right. So yep. it's not exactly the same, but the idea, the concept's the same. Right.
1: Um, a tricky one with this though is that you—it's after seeing the roll, but before weathering it knows if it, hit, knowing whether it hits or misses. So,
0: as a DM, I always, when I know I've got a bard, will always ask, "Is anybody using an inspiration die?" or are you using cutting it, it's words? It's just
1: tricky. That's a tricky thing, though, is because you already know your armor class. So when but they, you don't
0: know the attack roll. This is
1: after seeing the roll. On the die, right? Yeah. Oh, so you don't know their modifiers. You don't I know guess. their. You don't. You
0: know that I'm attacking you with a greatsword. Okay. I'm going to use my inspiration die to defend against it. Not only to only say, okay, he got a seventeen. I need to see if I can beat that. It's, I don't want this greatsword to chop me in half, I'm going to add this to my defenses. Okay. That way it doesn't matter if, as the DM, if my roll is a 1 or a, uh, a 15, he doesn't want that to hit him. It's right. supposed to be a preemptive, case shit. Okay. It's insurance, basically. I can use this, I may not need it, but I'm going to use it just to protect myself. Right, okay. I think that's a good analogy for yep. that.
1: At uh, 6th level, much like the fighter, you gain an extra attack. You gain fighter attack twice gets it at 5th level. I meant like the same, it's the same ability, not it got at the same level. Whenever you take an attack action, you can attack twice. Um, again for a combat specialized role, it's just super super effective. Yeah. It was super
0: effective. <laughs> yeah, I love Pokemon.
1: And then at fourteenth level, you gain battle magic. When mm. you use your action to cast a bard spell, you can make a weapon attack with a bonus action, which really increases your damage per round. Especially if that bard spell was, say, Thunder Wave.
0: And this applies to cantrips, too. So, yeah. some of the cantrips do, will do more damage than some of your weapons. Yeah. Depending on how you do the build.
1: You know, and maybe your DM might even let you be cool with this or do some cool things with this. And, you know, maybe you cast Firebolt as you shoot that arrow and you catch the arrow on fire in midair or something like that. That just kind of spices it up a bit. And mm-hmm. you really cast both, you really cast a spell and attack. But it, for flavor purposes, it's just a flaming arrow that does way more
0: damage. Yeah, we're all about flavor here. Yeah. We think that it's the player's job to spice up the game as much as possible, and obviously, the, once again, we always say the DM's gotta be okay with it, but most cases, as long as it doesn't change anything mechanically, there's usually not a problem with it. As soon as you start changing mechanics, then you've got some issues, but I love I love that concept, and I would love to see a bard say, hey, uh, I'm gonna put this towel around my arrow, and then I'm gonna light it on fire and then cast fireball from it like a mortar type deal right you know mechanically it's still going to be an arrow it's still going to be a fireball but it just sounds way cooler can you imagine yeah. just ha- having them arc up and shoot straight up like a mortar and just start playing his instrument <laughs> as it's falling down <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, because mechanically you didn't change anything. Right. You know, mechanically you're doing the same damage, you're doing the same spell. You're just making it cooler. You're yeah. making it more fun and more memorable. And, and that should be what the That's what of the it's game. about, yeah. yeah. Especially playing a bard. You know, being a bard is just about making things fun and memorable and quirky and unique. For sure. Um,
0: As D&D players, you should always want to make the game memorable. Yes. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I stopped playing some of the more mechanically... Heavy games, right? Because that be- took a backseat to mechanics. Yeah, because
1: I mean, you can notice the bard doesn't have a lot of mechanics. Very simple compared to other classes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, it's it's quite simple. You know, even a lot of the things
1: you're getting are things like bonus proficiencies and extra attacks. You know, really, the College of Valor only gives you two things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they're very useful. The two very useful things, right? We're um, not two things, but two like unique abilities, but they're very useful, unique abilities. And they can really add to your character and the way your character plays.
0: And that's what the Bard is all about. Yeah. I feel like John Madden. And that's what that's all about. (laughs)
1: And that's the way it
0: is. (laughs) All right. And that's it for the Bard. If we missed anything or you've got any issues with us, please uh, share your, share your opinions with us. Um, These are all our opinions. We're not experts by any stretch of the imagination, we do know that we love this game, and we have a blast every time we play it, and it's memorable. Yeah. And we just want to share that with you guys. Yep.
1: Now, moving on to the class that my player's handbook actually opens itself to because... Because it's I always open I'm to that on page. on this page so much. <laughs> uh, my personal favorite class is The Road. Um,
0: Please, tell us. Why is it your favorite class? Uh, I like being sneaky and stabby. Um, sneaky and stabby. <laughs> I want to I wanna be stealthy. Go ahead, make a stealth check. I got a 17. You think you're stealthy. You think you're stealthy. I love that <laughs> phrase. But I hate it at the same time. You know, rogues are the
1: kind of... They're the bad boy. You know, they're the... A lot of the times they're the criminal.
0: But they don't have to be.
1: Yeah, they're the sneaky, kind of stealthy type.
0: They're investigators. They're exterminators. They're assassins. They're scoundrels. They're... Yeah. They might just... You know what? Maybe you got one that's just a locksmith. Yeah. They're generally...
1: <laughs> Very good at the art of killing, but tend to avoid f- full-on face face-to-face combat because they're not as strong as, say, the barbarian or the fighter. They can't take as much damage and they can't, you know, unless they have to jump on someone, dish as much damage out.
0: Yeah, and depending on the rogue, you, f- you fall often on both sides of the law.
1: Yeah. And oh, yeah. Um, and that's, that's
0: something really that's important to understand. Yeah,
1: that's what makes... That's what, in my opinion, makes the rogue interesting. Is It's very hard to play a lawful good rogue. Um,
0: well, if you were a locksmith, maybe you could be. <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: You just go around... I turned away
0: from the evil. Picking locks I was to help people get over into their shoulders. homes. <laughs> or, you know, maybe... Of course, you might be the guy stealing all the keys so they can't get into
1: their homes. <laughs> maybe you're like a Neil Caffrey thing. Have you ever seen the show White Collar?
0: I have, but yes, I have. Yeah, that, that's a great where yeah, You're kind
1: of like working with the law, and you're the criminal consultant.
0: Yes. So,
1: at first level, uh, much like the bard, except they don't get it at first level, because rogues are better, um, they get expertise, which, uh, as we mentioned before, doubles two of your skill proficiencies. However, most rogues choose one skill proficiency, and double, and as well as their thieves tools, because as a rogue, you use your thieves tools for everything. Well, not everything, but use them a lot. Right. Um, that's how you pick locks. That's how you, you know, break into windows and do thief stuff. Sneak attack is probably the bread and not probably it is the bread and butter of a I would like damage. to point
0: out that when people dual wield as a rogue, you do not add your modifier on the offhand attack I, you do when not. you do damage. You do not. You do not have two weapon fighting. I do. <laughs> <laughs> In my heart I do. Yeah. That's oh. a common mistake yeah. that a lot of people make. You do not have two-weapon fighting, thus when you attack with two weapons, your offhand does not get your bonus. Right. We could not find that anywhere in the manual. If you do, and you know what page it's on, and what paragraph, and which line, please let us know. Yeah. The sneak attack is essentially
1: a big burst of damage. Um, whenever you attack someone that you have advantage on the attack roll, or if they have someone within five feet of them. A
0: hostile person in within 5 Someone feet of Someone who's them. hostile
1: to them, right. within 5 feet of them or they're incapacitated. Mm-hmm. You get sneak attack and based on your level it does extra damage. At first level it's only 1 extra d6. Once you get to, you know, 19th level, it becomes 10d6 extra damage. Right. That's a lot of damage.
0: Yeah. Let's let's clarify. The term is called sneak attack. You don't have to be sneaking. You don't have right. to be stealthy. It's just an exploit of a, a weakness or a subtle attack when they're yeah, like a
1: subtle strike when yeah. they're distracted by something else. You know, something catches their eye and that's when you strike.
0: It's called sneak attack, but it's not yeah. really sneaking anymore. And
1: <laughs> and that, that's a that's a good point because when we get into the archetypes, the assassin archetype does have something that is like that where right. you have to be hidden to use it yes. and you get extra damage. But it's a very different... Right.
0: But uh, s- sneak attack is your meat and potatoes. And if you're one of those DMs that thinks that it's overpowered, it's designed to be, please do not weaken it. Yeah. That's something I see very regularly where DMs say that, oh, it's too powerful, so I got to weaken it. They get sneak attack too much, so I got to weaken No, you don't.
1: Because you can only take it once per turn.
0: Yeah, per turn, not per round, which means right. you can also get it on op attacks right. in other people's turn. Thus, commander strike, which we briefly talked about. Right. Just the thing
1: about it is, you know, rogues have this ability to do a really high burst of damage, but they don't do sustained damage, and mm-hmm. they don't take damage very well.
0: You know, unless it's dex based. I ran a fire encounter against. Oh, like yeah, a rogue. I, I get what you're saying. That had um, fucking I can't evasion. Die it's like uncanny it's evasion.
1: oh yeah, yeah evasion yeah yeah, yeah. when Uncanied they succeed the
0: their damage becomes
1: zero if yeah, they succeed yeah so evasion i guess we can just talk about it um at level seven whenever you make a dex save to avoid aoe damage uh, if you fail you take half damage and if you succeed you take no damage
0: yeah that's bullshit it's so amazing yeah no that that has, that's bullshit Now, this was back before I understood that, you know what, when you build an encounter, apply for multiple targets, not just AC, not just DEX. As you learn that, you'll find that stuff like this isn't a big deal, but I ran an encounter and I didn't realize that most of the things that targeted AC and tax when I did it, and I could right. not kill a goddamn rogue. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds really overpowered. Not that I was trying to kill him, but right. he took no damage almost the whole fight. Right. It sounds overpowered, but, you know, it's
1: important to keep in mind that that is a rogue specialty, is being yes. quick and agile. So, of course, they're going to be good at that, and it's going to be hard to hit them with things And it's like
0: supposed that. to be infuriating.
1: Yeah. So, if you use things that require will say or will, well, not Pathfinder, or, wisdom saves yeah, or uh, constitution saves... Those if they feel that save, they take full damage. Right. If they and, succeed that save, they only take half damage.: And
0: then as a DM, I, I learned that. Yeah. And that's really a key part of the, the game is the DM evolving to the abilities, not changing the abilities.
1: Yes. Yes, yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. <laughs> Don't change the abilities. Find a way to get around them. Yep. I think we've talked about this with uh, with Chark. You know, I had a, I set up a following encounter where it didn't focus on his AC because he had fucking twenty six. It seemed like and indefinitely. <laughs> Instead, I attacked his uh, fact that he was wearing heavy armor, putting right. him in quicksand, or you know, putting him in situations where his AC is irrelevant. Of course, then Hashtag he did. Misty step. Yeah, I was gonna say. Then he does just fucking misty step out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, those are challenges for the DM to overcome. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So I kind of. Um, tried. So uh, after sneak attack, you have access to thieves, thieves can't.
2: can't. I love thieves
0: can't. This is a really good uh, opportunity for the DMs to include things that only only the rogue would know. You know, the the thieves can't is a secret mix of different dialects and jargon and code and hidden messages and, and, and stuff. And it's really, I like to do it, not so much in conversation, but I like to lead, is there hmm. any thief can'ts while well, you find a beer bottle tilted on its side with a, so, you know, you, they put something in it. I just avoid it. They put something in it and that it has its own definition.
1: Yeah, it has a meaning. It has a
0: meaning. And only a person that understands thieves can't understand that meaning. And that meaning might be a secret place to meet with a very shady dealer.
2: Yeah.
0: That might secret place might be a meeting to find bounties. Yeah. You know, there's a lot you can do with that.
1: What I mean is a secret passage out of this castle.
0: Yes, yes. I see what you did there. <laughs> you know, and that was a good example of use of that is there was no other way out. Right. You asked, hey, is there anything thieves can't? And I was like, you know what? Yes, there is. And now there's an exit. Right. Because you utilize an ability that really should have had no function there.
1: Yeah. I uh, actually used this in... I was DMing, and I had a rogue in my group, and they actually ran into... I can't remember what I called it, but it was like a a thief ring in the city they were in. Mm -hmm. And I had a guy walk up to him and say something completely random. It was like, do you want to see me bend a spoon? (laughs) And (laughs) they were like, what? And... Then the rogue was like, "Is he speaking in thieves' cant?" I was like, "Make a check," and he succeeds in the check. I was like, "Yes, he is. He's actually, you know, greeting you <laughs> as a member of
2: spoon. yeah."
1: I don't know if that's exactly what oh, it said. That's awesome, but though. it was something completely nonsensical that, that needs didn't to make be a sense.
0: T-shirt. wants to be Spoon? <laughs> and, but it didn't make no sense to anybody
1: else. Where, the, yeah, all the party members were like. Okay, can we leave this guy? And he was like, wait, "Wait, this has to mean something. What does it mean?" Um, and yeah, it actually ended up playing into a big storyline, and where you know they were working with this thieves ring now. Anyway, but that was just a really fun use of thieves can where Instead of the player looking for it. You put it, it was looking for the player, and yeah. they had to notice it and realize it. And he, luckily, he did. Right um,
0: now, did you call for like an intelligence check for him to see if he actually caught on? To when that he asked, when he asked for it, okay. Um,
1: he asked if 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 he recognized what the guy was saying. So then I let him make the check. I didn't just say he says this, make the check. Right, right. Um, because then obviously they know when it kind of gets rid. Yeah, of but,
0: then, but that's also a gray area for gaming too, because right. then you're relying on the player's ability to pick yep. up on that versus what the character caught on. Yeah. So yes. The Thieves can't. As a DM, you can have a lot of fun with it. And as a player, ask about it. Ask about it repeatedly because then maybe if your DM's not using it, he will. Yeah. Or she will.
1: Yeah, be annoying about it. Like, every time I get... if I'm a, When I'm playing a rogue, which I, to be fair, usually am. <laughs> um, anytime I get into a city, do I, do I see any thieves can around?
0: Just floating around?
1: Yeah, do I? Like, I look on the message boards. I look kind of down the alleys. I look on the sides of didn't buildings. Didn't you
0: guys get, like, a secret mission because of that? No. One time? You had one that you were going to
1: give me that I didn't... I. The one place I didn't look for oh, it was right. where you would put it. Yeah, I do remember um, that. I about was like, man, I, wrote, I
0: remember writing that up. I was like, why didn't I get to that? Yeah, you told me about it you didn't it go afterward. to that location, yeah. Because um, you asked me like every time, and then like the one place I put it, you like didn't ask. Yeah. I think I can save it and put it somewhere else. That's fine.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, all right, so enough on Thieves' Camp. Yeah. Thieves' Camp's so fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys are picking up on the trend, but we love the stuff that's not directly correlated to combat generally. Yeah. I mean, we like combat. I love combat. I love fighting. I love tactical. But I find that the game's most memorable moments generally don't come out of combat unless you roll a one, or (laughs) you roll a twenty. Right. (laughs) Outside of that,
1: or you, you know, sometimes it can be forgettable. Inside of a giant robotic Santa Claus,
0: which was awesome. By the way, that's part of a special event we did record. Uh, We didn't have enough mics, so it's gonna be mixed audio. But uh, I think you guys will enjoy it once I'm done with it. At level 2, God, we're still at level 1. <laughs> at level 2, you get Cutting Action. This is really represents your quick thinking and your agility. It basically allows you to use your bonus action to take the dash action, which is double your speed movement, the disengage, which allows you to run away without taking op attacks, and my personal favorite, the hide, hide. action. Being able to hide. You can hide behind objects that are bigger than or People that are bigger than you. Keep that in mind. Yes. You know, halflings can... Is it halflings are small or genomes? Are they both small? Both. You know, they can hide behind... a person. Human, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can take the hide because it's not in the sense that you're invisible, it's that you're can't be seen from wherever somebody's at. Yeah, you're blocked. From that vantage point. Y- vision of you is obscured. Right. Um, so that's something I think that gets overlooked too. Some people treat hide as invisibility. Yeah, it's, it's not that not they not
1: don't know you're there, it's that they don't have vision, vision. of you. Yeah, they can't see you. Um, they don't know what you're
0: doing. Which also you're
1: is red- covered, by If you're ready to attack, if you're casting a spell at them.
0: Um, I'm rhetoric in action. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, um, at third
1: level, uh you get to choose your archetypes. Um Thief, Assassin, or Arcane Trickster. Yep, which we'll get into momentarily. At fourth, eighth, tenth, twelfth, sixteenth, and nineteenth, you'll notice there's, there's one more extra, than the bard. Yeah. You gain an ability score improvement, which you can use to, you know, either increase your ability scores or take a feat.
0: Some really good feats if you're a ranged rogue. Yes, there are sharpshooter, oh. right? Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Especially since daggers have an effective range of I think 20 feet. <laughs> yeah, and it has 20, 40. So oh, like yeah, throw them 40, 80. Uncanny <laughs> dodge at level five. Anytime someone <laughs> makes an attack at you and hits you, you can use your reaction to have the damage. Yeah, One, 20, You know how we were
0: talking about how they're squishy and die easy? Yeah, you have a chance to not be. Yeah. Once.
1: Yeah, once per turn. Um... <laughs>
0: Which usually, you know, is not that's not bad, very rarely, right. you know, depending Which, on...
1: Which, it, it's nice, because generally, you know, a rogue's armor class usually floats between 16, 17-ish, so you're not too hard to hit, you're not especially hard to hit, so... Especially
0: at higher levels, when they got a plus 5 or a plus 6.
1: Yeah, and they're hitting for a million, and <laughs> you can have it to half, half a million. A million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we already talked about evasion at 7th level. Um, at 11th, 11th level, that's weird to say, level 11... Um, you get reliable talent. You have
0: refined your uh, chosen skills to near perfection. Ching! So when you make an ability check, you can add your pr- proficiency modifier. You can treat a d20 as a 9 or lower as a 10. So Basically, the lowest you 10. can
1: roll is 10. Plus whatever your, your modifier is. For I like part. to come
0: back to the, the liar or the d- diplomat who can persuade people. Right. Taking a 10 on a conversation that you're lying through your teeth is gorgeous
1: especially since at 11 you have a plus 4 proficiency bonus um if you are like that silver tongue liar you've probably taken expertise in that so it's a plus right. 8 proficiency bonus let's say you have a plus 2 charisma so it's a plus 10 the lowest you can roll is 20
0: yes and the odds you're that, a good liar oh yeah people people believe everyone very loki-ish right, right? If you haven't seen marvel and don't know who loki is well you fail at life or norse gods Blind sense at level 14, you're able to hear and be aware of any uh, of the location of any hidden or invisible creatures within 10 feet of you. Hello. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you cannot be snuck up on. That is. Is it? Isn't it? Isn't there that scene in balls of fury where he's, have you ever seen the movie? Is that way, Christopher ball? Walken. Yeah, the yes, I didn't see that long time ago.
1: Where he's like blindfolded training. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I picture here.
0: <laughs> this basically allows you to not get ambushed by other invisible by invisible creatures. Well,
1: not even just that. If you you know, some something happens in the in a fight where you lose vision.
0: Oh yeah, big fog cloud or, or magical just, darkness.
1: Yeah, or you're blinded somehow. You still know what's going oh, on. Oh yeah, probably. it's
0: like the Force, man.
1: Yeah, slippery mind at level fifteenth. Uh, you gain proficiency in wisdom. Why do you save. keep
0: saying that at level fifteenth? That's I so know. weird.
1: I'm, I mean, say level fifteen, but then I mix it with fifteenth level. Yeah.
0: And at fifteenth level, you get slippery mind. You have acquired greater mental strength, which means you have proficiency and wisdom saves. Woo! That means mind manipulation comes significantly more difficult on you. Elusive. Man,
1: I know we, we tried to make the case that rogues aren't kind of squishy, but we keep running into these abilities. <laughs> um, essentially, it's impo- an attacker can never have advantage on you unless you're incapacitated, which is big. Because um, advantage is such a strong mechanic in this game <laughs> yeah. that if characters just cannot have it against you... We're not
0: wrong about them being squishy. Just You have to hit them yeah, they're hard to, to find hit. out they're squishy. Yeah. <laughs> they're squishy,
1: they're just quick. Stroke of luck, on 20th level you have an uncanny knack for succeeding when you need to. If your attack misses a target within range, you can turn the miss into a hit. (sighs) (laughs) Or, if you fail an ability check, you can turn the roll into a 20. Um, And, you regain this feature on a short rest, which... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. You know, if you have that surprise round crit, I'm gonna (laughs) crit! So, those are the core abilities. Let's move into the archetypes. The first one is the thief. This is fun. Yeah, this Um, is
0: very... This is one that I don't see get used a lot. Most people take assassin, but... And the reason
1: the thief doesn't get used a lot is because you don't... You kind of try to avoid combat as a thief. Right. You know, combat isn't your specialty at all. You can fight, but it's not what you're designed for.
0: Right. You're designed to be a burglar, a a thief. I mean, you're stealing. That's what you do. Yeah. You're more like Robin Hood, I think, would be a thief. Yeah. He doesn't... He doesn't try to kill anybody. He just takes what he needs and gives yeah. it over to the poor, right?
1: Or, you, know, you know the game Dishonored?
0: Yes, I haven't played it. But Oh, well,
1: an achievement in that game is to get through the entire game without killing anybody. There's another achievement, to get through the entire game without getting caught once. That's the thief.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely unique unto itself, because all classes can hide, but they're the supreme hider. That's yeah. what they do. They get in, they get out, they take... You know, I've had only two thieves in any of my games. And in both times, I gave them situations where they went around an entire encounter by stealing and sneaking. That's what they did. Now that left the other group to be distracted by doing something else. So I didn't leave them out, but they had to accomplish two things. Instead of taking one at a time and storming both of them, they sent the thief in to do the job on his own. Hmm. He asked him, do you think you can get this without our help? He said, yes. Now, I didn't plan for that. Not even close. (laughs) So I had to quickly come up with something to deal with that. And you know what? It wasn't that hard because I already had monster blocks. I knew where they were going to be. And he just had to roll. Um, I gave some descriptions of how he was sneaking through. And I handled two encounters simultaneously. One with combat. And when it came to his turn in the combat initiative that I had him roll, we just talked about what he was doing. Hmm. Which worked out, so I was able to run two two scenarios simultaneously instead of just one. So we actually got to do a third encounter, the boss encounter that night, which I didn't plan for. while well, I had it ready, but I wasn't thinking we would get to that because I thought they were going to have to go through got, both. They got through that so quickly, yeah. And this was a good example where this person really got to shine, while they were busting and dealing with this big bad over here. He just snuck in and got what he needed. Right. Of course, he didn't know how big it was, so the getting out was a little bit harder. <laughs> but he managed. Because the item was very big. It was uh, like an idol. You know, pretty big. And so, I was like, well, you're going to have disadvantage trying to carry this thing around. And you're going to be slower. He's like, I'm just going to throw it out the window. (laughs) It's like, it might break. It's like, I got it. He tied a rope to it and threw it out the window. Pendulumed it down. Didn't think of that. Solved the problem of the the issue that he was going to have to be at disadvantage with it. So... The Thief really can shine as long as the DM allows for that. The very uh, first ability that you get is Fast Hands. Basically, it allows you to use your bonus action um, for sleight of hands checks, to do thieves tools, to disarm traps, and use object interaction. The biggest advantage of this is a healer. a potion. Yes. You can use a potion as a bonus action. That's huge. Now, we have a rule that I allow them to do that as a bonus action anyway, so he gets to do it as a free action. Um, But... That, to me, is huge. That makes him a very, very potent healer as long as he's got the potions. Right. In fact, you know, a Swiss Army belt of potions, he just whoosh, and chuck it at somebody. Right.
1: <laughs> um, again, at third level, they earn second-story work. Uh, you can climb faster than normal. So, from basically, when you climb, it doesn't cost you extra movement. And whenever you make a running jump, the distance you cover is increased by the number of feet equal to your dex modifier. So right. essentially, it lets you scale that wall twice as quick. Oh,
0: yeah. I think Jackie Chan running up that uh, corner yeah. brick wall. Yeah, and instead rush of, out. you know,
1: having to, like, try to find a handhold and, like, slowly make your way up. No, you just
0: mm-hmm.
1: spider up that wall.
0: Supreme Sneak. At ninth level, you have advantage on dexterity stealth checks if you move no more than half your speed in the same turn. That nearly makes you undetectable.
1: Yes, yeah, as long as you're not running somewhere and trying to hide you basically always have advantage on stealth checks, which is super nice as a someone who specializes in hiding. Right. Uh, it makes your hiding even better.
0: Right. Uh, at level 13 you get use magic device. Now, this is very general. It basically allows you to use, improvise use objects that were not intended for you. Whether it is any restrictions it has class race level doesn't matter you can use it you can use it now there's a lot of questions and negative stigma with this because a lot of people at least in the forums i can tell add additional things while well, you can't do this or you can't do that well you're missing the point of the ability because right. they're supposed to be able to if that magic sword is tied to somebody else and it's super strong I should still be able to use it.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be strong, right?
0: The big one in the in the DMG is this giant meta- mech type contraption. You know that requires some sort of knowledge to use it. I forget what it's called. In the DMG, they have an item called the Apparatus of Qualish. This is a legendary, wondrous, magical item. It's basically a giant barrel with claws and pincers and everything. It is definitely, for all intents and purposes, a magic item, right?
1: It's a giant metal scorpion.
0: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Now, if players crawled into that, I wouldn't just let them know how to use it. There's a list here of abilities that they could do, but they would have to play with them to figure it out. Well, that may or may not end out well for them. But if a Thief was able to get into there, he would automatically be able to understand it and use it because that's the point of that feature.
1: At 17th level, you will unlock Thief's Reflexes, which really speaks to the rogue's Uh, agility and quickness Um, in the first round of any combat you take two turns your first turn at your normal initiative you take your second turn at your initiative minus 10 so if you roll a 17 on your initiative you take your first turn at that 17 you take a second turn at seven it doesn't work if you're surprised obviously because you don't go at all when you're surprised but the ability to take two turns in one round is super amazing yes um, especially in, like, a chase scene, mm-hmm. you can, especially with cunning
0: action... You'll catch anybody.
1: Yes. You can dash. You can run, dash, and take another turn, run, dash. And, like, cover an obscene amount of distance.
0: And, you know, the idea is that you can even set up traps in your first round. Right. Set up cover, do what you gotta do. It's pretty powerful. That's it for the uh, thief archetype.
1: Moving on to the assassin, which is probably the most... Used. Choosed. Yeah. Choosed? most used. my problem? I don't know. Plus You're broken chosen. today. Is I, you am broken. I am tired. I am tired. In level three, uh, you gain a couple bonus proficiencies. You gain the disguised kit and the poisoner's kit. I think the poisoner's kit is so underused. I agree. I, li- I like being an assassin that poisons people, you know, and assassinating that way. And then also at third level, you earn assassinate. And essentially what it means is... Anytime you are attacking a creature that has not yet taken a turn in this combat, you have advantage. Which, if you remember, sneak attack applies anytime you have advantage. <laughs> in addition to that, any hit you score against a creature that is surprised is an automatic crit. So, if you get a surprise round, you attack this you attack this monster. If you hit him both times, that's two crits. Well, I'm assuming you're dual wielding. You might not be as a rogue. Uh, You don't have to. Um, Most people do. So it's two crits with one sneak attack. And both those attacks had advantage. That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a lot of damage. For sure. But, you know, that's your big damage influx right there. You're not going to sustain that damage throughout the whole thing. Like the Barbarian will. You know, the Barbarian's going to go in there, hit him 15 times with his axe, and then next turn he's going to do the same thing. You're not going to do that same amount of damage the next turn, but you do a lot the first turn, and it's sometimes enough to, you know, maybe not one-shot the guy that you're trying to, trying to kill, but do a substantial amount of damage and really weaken him and maybe even scare him off, or, you know, maybe he'll reconsider what he's doing.
0: Right, right. So that's pretty the big core of that build. Yeah. At ninth level, you get infiltration expertise. Now, if the thief is about sneaking around... The assassin is about putting on different disguises. And
1: hiding in plain
2: sight.
0: And this is really fun because you actually can create entire identities. And in fact, one of the best parts about this in any disguise kit, but it really specializes in this is you can create an entire identity. So you might be able to introduce yourself as I am Whitaker von Elilume, the third, a noble from the great city of Neverwinter. And you can have this whole spiel and you might go to another city and introduce yourself as the same game, same character. When you come back, If you can make a name for yourself, that name becomes popular and you can leverage it. I really think that, once again, this is mostly role play, but also getting what you want without having to deal with combat, which isn't really the assassin's style, but instead they could use it to gather information. What is the layout of that castle of the king he has to assassinate? Or maybe the archduke is going to be going through town and um, usually has a particular... Uh, set of um, people he takes with him and now you become one of those people. Or,
1: you know, having a false identity is a nice fail-safe. Oh, you know, for in sure. Case you get caught. Do you know who you're messing with? You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm
0: Whitaker. Yeah. On El Alume, the Third from Neverwinter. Noble of his high council. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And, oh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, mister. And they run away. <laughs> you know. Once you've done this, if you can adopt that new identity as a disguise... Other creatures truly believe you to be it does that person. So you can constantly change who you are. Right. So in one session maybe you're, you know, robbing the rogue, the next session you're robbing the, the merchant. You know? right.
1: Um and kind of going along with that, at thirteenth level you get imposter, which means you can unerringly mimic another person's speech, writing, and behavior. Um you have to spend three hours Uh, studying that person
0: which infiltration comes in great for
1: yep and uh, after you spend those three hours your ruse is indiscernible to the casual observer Um, if a wary creature suspects that something's up uh, you have advantage on any charisma check you make to avoid detection
0: so now that king you're supposed to assassin that That king (laughs) that art that king you're supposed to assassinate you succeeded but nobody knows right because you've taken his place
1: right yeah
0: i mean that right there would would throw me for a loop but i definitely would feel that that would be deserved right you could pull it off you would constantly be having to make checks but can you imagine how great that would be to a player if they took somebody (laughs) out and then said hey uh yeah i've been following this guy for a week i think i'm just going to take his position and i'm done adventuring (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to rule the kingdom. I think Loki did that in a movie, didn't he? Yeah. Became Odin. So, you can have a lot of good role play opportunities here even with the assassin. Of course it requires a little bit higher level, but impersonating somebody such as a king or an archmage or something. <laughs> impersonate an archmage without any magic, that would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my magic's out for today. <laughs> um,
1: the last ability you gain as a assassin is called Death Strike, and you gain it at 17th level. You become a master of instant death. When you attack and hit a creature that is surprised, it must make a constitution saving throw and the DC is equal to 8 plus your dex modifier plus your proficiency bonus. A that's failed huge. Save, yeah, that's big. Um, especially cuz at level 17 your proficiency bonus is +6 right. and your I'm assuming your dexterity is pl- dex modifier is +5 at that point. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be see. um 19 is going to be the de- is going to be the uh, DC. And on a failed save, you double the damage of your attack against the creature. So now, let's <laughs> look at all the abilities that line up here. So, they're surprised, which means it's an automatic crit. But, if they're surprised, they haven't gone in the turn yet, which means it's a, you have advantage on it, which procs your sneak attack. <laughs> so... You have a crit and your sneak attack, which, keep in mind, when you crit, your sneak attack damage, if you crit on a sneak attack, those sneak attack damage, dice, double, because all dice rolls double. So, at level 17, your sneak attack is 9d6, so you roll whatever your weapon is, if you're using a dagger, okay, 1d4, so you're going to roll 2d4 and 18d6, (laughs) and then double it. (laughs) Oh my god, that's so much damage.
0: It is called Death Strike.
1: Yes, um, you. Be, yeah, as the book says, you become a master of instant death because that is an obscene amount of damage. I agree. To put it in, uh... it essentially it becomes thirty six d six, and at level twenty, at level nineteen forty d six.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of dice. That is insane.
1: It's meant to be strong, and at this level, you're facing things that can pro that that hit's gonna mess them up but right. they can take it for sure you know because at, at you're at level 17 you know you're fighting some bad dudes but
0: no new noble is gonna survive that no commoner yeah. no yeah. veteran no 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 nobody <laughs> Nobody short of godlike <laughs> yeah and that is the assassin archetype yep the next is the arcane trickster now this is the rogue that and they can sneak attack. They can do all that stuff, but they also have a talent and a knack for a little bit of magic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so they get access to spellcasting and access to spells on the wizard spell list. Yep. Uh, when they they can choose illusion or enchantment spells from the wizard
1: spell list, and you know, starting at level three, you actually have you actually know three spells and three cantrips and you have two first-level spell slots. That's pretty big for someone who's not a primary spellcaster. Right. Um,
0: If you heard when he talked about illusion and uh, enchantment, most of the magic that the uh, arcane trickster does is used to uh, trick people. Trick,
1: yeah. Um, Like, the first main ability you gain is at level three you gain uh mage hand leger domain <laughs> i don't
0: know i have no idea um, essentially I'm, hey you, if you know how this is pronounced send us an audio clip yeah you gain
1: use the, you gain the ability to use cast mage hand which is a cantrip that basically you summon a, a spectral hand that can do stuff for you um and you can you know but with this you can make that hand invisible and you can use your thieves tools to uh pick locks or disarm a trap from a range so now you're picking you can disarm this trap or pick this lock without any risk to it going off on you. Mm-hmm. Um well maybe not any risk, because maybe it's like an arrow trap and it's still gonna shoot <laughs> it's you. It's still the gonna face. shoot you in the face. <laughs> um, um, you know, you can pickpocket someone that's far away.
0: Yeah, and you can perform that without being You can uh, reverse
1: pickpocket someone that's far away. You know, maybe Put stuff trying,
0: back in their pocket here, homeless person, you can have this. Or maybe you're trying to frame somebody. Ooh, I like that. You that know, makes more sense. Put the bloody dagger <laughs> in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn uh, in addition you can use a bonash, uh, bonus action bonus in addition you can use the bonus action granted by your cunning uh, action to control uh, the hand you're using yep. the fact that you can make it invisible is actually a pretty big deal because um, you can do a lot with an invisible hand it's essentially telekinesis at that point a low level yeah. telekinesis you can move shit with your mind and nobody realizes that there's a, mm-hmm. an object moving it um, be used to really spice up very mundane scenes. Yes, thank you. Well, and this really
1: Phil, <laughs> works in with my uh I was actually playing a sorcerer um but it works even better with this, I think. Every time I would like exit a room, I was playing it with you when we were doing um <laughs> yeah, I Curse remember of yes I would stand in the doorway and like make this big speech, and I'd cast press the and make a big puff of smoke, and I'd run around the corner. (laughs) So it looked like I just vanished in a big plume of smoke. But you really (laughs) did, really awesome.
0: Ran around the corner, Um, and as a rogue, it's
1: even you know it makes a little more sense that you just like vanish. That's hilarious. Um, but it's just fun and, and it's great,
0: you know. Especially if nobody get, they just think you did pull a Batman all the time, but you really can't go invisible. A <laughs> teleport, right. you're just moving really quick. And especially
1: because you know that's what you know. You're a trickster. You're supposed to be kind of immature, and right, right. Silly and you know tricky. But it's tricky to rock a rhyme to rock. Okay. Um, do you actually know the words to
0: that? Yeah, it's tricky. I used to. to I just used to mumble because yeah, it's I it's tricky never,
1: to rock a rhyme to rock around. That's right on time. It's
0: tricky. That's tricky. Tr- 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 Trick, It's tricky to rock around to rock around right on time. Did you have to Google that? No. Are you sure? Michael
1: told me. Oh, he must <laughs> have the lyrics. <laughs> and then once you know it, you can understand it perfectly. Right. Um, um, but yeah, ninth level, you gain magical ambush. Um, If you're hidden from someone and you cast a spell on them, they have disadvantage on any saving throw that they have to make against that spell. That's awesome. Yep. It just makes your spell stronger. I mean, again, it, it, it falls in with, you know, as a rogue, you hide. That's what you do and you're rewarded for doing that with your class's abilities, and this is just another example of that. At 13th level, your Mage Hand, you gain Versatile Trickster, and your Mage Hand can now distract targets. Um, You can choose a creature within 5 feet of it, and uh, doing so gives you advantage on attack rolls or spells on that creature for that turn.
0: That's awesome. That's basically a finger coming head. up and smacking somebody on the back and turning over their shoulder just long enough to get an arrow in their chest. Right. Um, <laughs> or like tugging on their ear or something like yeah. that, or squeezing their nose. Yeah. <laughs> Tying their shoes.
1: <laughs> Tie their shoes together. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man, that shit could be funny.
1: Um, and then at 17th, you gain spell thief. You gain the ability to magically steal the knowledge of how to cast a spell from another <laughs> spellcaster. <laughs> When anu- when someone else or another creature casts a spell that targets you or you are in the area of its effect, uh, you can use your reaction to force them to make a saving throw, um, which is equal to your spell save DC. If they fail, you negate the spell, You like, you it doesn't affect you, and you steal the knowledge of the spell, and, you know, you learn how to cast that spell. It doesn't even need to be a wizard spell. It doesn't have to be a spell that you normally have access to. Um... For the, you only know it for the next eight hours, and you can use it using your. You can cast it using your normal spell slots. <laughs> However, the person that you stole it for cannot cast it for the next eight hours.
0: That's awesome. So
1: if you steal that guy's big one, you know one really big damage spell. Uh oh.
0: <laughs> well, and there's nothing that says that. It says after a creature casts a spell that targets you, it doesn't say enemy or hostile. So. Before you go to on adventure, and you've got a powerful mage in your group, have him cast a powerful spell on you, and if you can learn it for a one-time use for maybe a sneak attack, there I think there's a lot that could be used there because it doesn't even say. I mean, I mean it really doesn't seem to have a limit on it. No, not really.
1: It's it's a pretty strong ability, um, and playing true to the <gasps> kind of chaotic nature of rogues wish. Oh, boy. staying true to the kind of chaotic nature a character, of, though, does it? no staying true to the kind of chaotic nature of rogues you know <laughs> you can do it to just troll your team your party surprise <laughs> oh he he tried to heal you okay well now now you can't heal anymore now <laughs> uh, look at me i'm the captain now
0: <laughs> oh i didn't even you could use that as a defensive thing if there's an enemy healer on the battlefield well you could they would be targeting heal. you though oh yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but You could use it as a, you know, a way to, yeah, defend yourself against that big fireball or troll your healer who's trying to heal you and just trying to be a good guy. And you're like, nope, thank you. I'm going to take that now.
0: (laughs) Oh, dude. So if I try to cast a a spell on the enemy they try to counter spell, I can say nope. Yeah. Because the 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 counter spell is targeting targeting you. you.
1: So you could steal their counter spell.
0: (laughs) So not only would the spell still go through, I now have a... and they Ca- can't counter counter spell. spell. and they can't do it no more. Yeah, that could be really cool. Obviously, I haven't had a character of that high level right. uh, for arcane trickster in any right. of the groups, but
1: um, but yeah, that kind of wraps up the rogue and, in essence, our main topic for the episode. Um,
0: if there's something we missed or something you'd like it to some clarification, or we we've, we've made a mistake, which it does happen, We're not we are nights. human. Um, While well, I'm perfect, but I do make mistakes. <laughs> um, please let us know. Send us a, uh, a Facebook message, or you can publicly humiliate us that way, or on Twitter, or send us an email. And we'll quickly and promptly ignore it. <laughs> or if you make a valid point, we might talk about it.
1: Yes. Moving on to our final segment. The Unearthed Tips and Tricks. First one we have is the character concept. And it's somewhat of a mime. It kind of lines up with what we were talking about today. It's, think of a bard who uses vicious mockery, but instead of you know saying words, he just plays charades and he <laughs> mimics actions. You know, he looks at him and <clears throat> like pretends to be choking, choking. Yeah. and all of a sudden you know they're choking and they take damage. No, it's a it's a really fun, just kind of again. You can the,
0: pretend you're fencing, and as you do the thrusting motion, and yeah. Poof! They take psychic damage, you right?
1: Know? Yeah, and really, you're just casting vicious mockery, right? But, but it's you're a being interesting it and, and it, yeah. you're re-flavoring it, and that's what the bard is about. That's what D and D is about.
0: And what's really interesting, if you stay with that, you could this could be a good character for somebody who is silent and yeah. doesn't talk, yeah, all the time and can't do it where they can just, to the group, they can just kind of hand motion their own yeah. gestures. Like they're in a box or maybe some guy's attacking and they're they're doing charades like giving them the two fingers yeah. and the one finger and then he gets clobbered over the head by somebody else. You, know? <laughs> you could do a, you could have a lot of fun with it. I think it would be really interesting once you got him into a role play uh, scenario where they're meeting with a, a noble and the noble asks him, and who might you be, sir? And he starts like writing out his name in the air or something, <laughs> something foolish and some tomfoolery like that. I mean, this could be a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of... Uh,
1: I mean, yeah, you know, instead of... It's essentially one big reflavoring of vicious mockery, which...
0: Well, any of the illusion spells, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you're essentially miming out the actions that you're performing. And, and they're
0: taking damage as a result.
1: Yeah, and it's just another fun kind of trolly way to annoy your DM.
0: Yeah, I, I can just imagine him bending over and slapping his ass in front of somebody, saying, "Come <laughs> get me! Come <laughs> get me!" You know. Yep. That is our character concept: the Bard Mime. For our encounter of the podcast, we have the murder mystery. I think this is a great idea. I've actually been to one of these, and actually, I mean, I'm supposed to call actually yesterday to find out about one that goes on at the Bavarian Inn. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was filled up last year we wanted to go, but we always have the players killing the people, but what if they're at a a, a dinner, and, you know, a wind swoops in, and all the candles burn out, and then somebody's dead. Right. You know, you now are setting them up, is that person important? And if they are, maybe it's a noble of a king who's visiting, you know, an ambassador or something, and they have to discover who in there did it and why. They got to figure out what weapon was used, what room it happened in, you know. It's <laughs> not, not a clue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, Yeah, you know, leave little clues along the way that they can find, but I don't make them too do. obvious. But don't make them too, you know, leave like vague clues that they can find that might point them in the right direction, but really make the players... To discover good, what happened Yeah, themselves. it's a
0: good opportunity for their uh, skills to come into play yes. that are not role play. And, and for
1: them to really use their non-combat abilities.
0: Right, and that's really where this combat shines, you know, because they might go in there and see it happen and try to defend. That's one thing. But for it to happen and it's outside their control and then tr- their task with trying to resolve it, you know, you could even, if you really wanted to, maybe you got that player in the group that doesn't want to play that character no more. Maybe this is yeah. a good way for them to go out. And their character, their new one, is one of the people that are there that help solve it. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for this. It gives a good, it can really build to the story as to leading to well, why were they murdered? Who murdered them? Where do we got to go to find that out? Yeah. And what was the, you know, what was the reasoning?
1: Yeah, this is a good encounter for, you know, your players that are more role play heavy and less right. combat heavy, and I think it's important to have a balance of combat encounters and encounters that require you to think
0: right um, i think in the last episode we briefly talked about uh actually it was one of the qu- the question was asked about ways to introduce players yeah the players could be at this big fancy dinner when somebody died yeah. maybe they've got a tie to that person or maybe yeah. that's what brings them together is they all are searching around trying to figure yeah. out who did this it's a very
1: good one shot yes um, and I think, it, I think it could be really interesting, and I'd like to see you know way, different ways that it could pan
0: out. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you've got any ideas or how you would run a murder mystery, or if you've done it, let us know Yeah. how it went, and was it worth it, and how much preparation was needed. Because right. I can only imagine that you would need uh, at least uh, two or three clues, but what if you tossed in more complexity where you find clues that point to other people that really Shocking didn't do turns. it. Yeah, you know, where you you finally get to the end and you think it's this person and it turns out, well, it wasn't this person. This thing over here says it's this person. I mean, that would require a little bit of setup on your part as the DM, but right. I can't imagine it would be too difficult.
1: No. Our DM tip of the podcast is also kind of an encounter idea. Um, and it's it's similar to the scenes from A Hat from Whose Line Is It Anyway? if any of you guys have ever seen that show. And essentially... Put a bunch of character concepts and class builds and races combinations on pieces of paper, put them in a hat, shake them up, everyone draws one. That's the character they play.
0: It's a very good way to diversify the type of characters people play. Yeah. Get them out of the I always play a rogue. Yeah. And you might get that total ass hat that's just like, oh, I'm not playing this class, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? That's not the mentality to have at a game. You should be willing to try new things. That's how you come up with new creative ideas and new fun and interesting things to do if everyone's running the exact same characters all the time everything becomes predictable you know and i'm not saying run an entire campaign like this you could do just a one shot a one night say hey you know what guys we're going to change it up a little bit um i see you know you guys always playing the exact same characters so we're going to run a one shot tonight except you know you're going to get a random character and maybe you've built these characters maybe you have them all build a character then throw them in a hat so the character they just wanted to play, they might not get to play. <laughs> that seems like it might piss them off a little bit actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, those characters you just built uh, toss them in here. You're not going to get to play it. Yeah um, but playing cl- classes from a hat, I think would be better. Yes, classes from a hat. Yeah. is a good way to get people to see other classes that you don't usually see on the table. If you don't see that, that monk on the table and you don't see that Ranger, toss them on there, let people give them a tr- shot for a cha- change. change. Mm-hmm. So that is our DM tip of the podcast. Classes from a hat. We should preface our
1: magic item of the podcast by saying, not every magic item is great.
0: <laughs> we here at Crit Academy do not have the best ideas.
1: <laughs> so we created, actually, our friend Luke came up with this idea. <laughs> He's been on an episode before.
0: Yeah, number two, I think.
1: Um, And it's, we called it a healing bow. We We didn't think of a catchy creative name for it. Because, to be honest, it's kind of a crappy item, but it'd be really fun to see happen. <laughs> and essentially, it's a, a bow, a long bow, a short bow, whatever you whatever you may have, that you can shoot at an at a teammate. That gives
0: temporary hit points.
1: And it does damage, but it also gives temporary hit points. So mm. you'd have to work out the damage to health ratio. Obviously, you'd want it to give more hit points than it yeah, deals so in So Maybe it
0: deals damage at 1d6, but the healing factor would be 1d8.
1: Now you still have a chance to roll a 1 on that D8 and a 6 on that D6. <laughs> there is a very, very, very real possibility of that happening. So it's a very fun trolly, trolly, trolly item right. that can really piss someone off <laughs> if you use it right.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good example of somebody like of a tinkerer who uses magic or an artificer or somebody who makes magic items would be a good thing for them. And it's basically, I have mis- envision it having like a... a like a um, like a <laughs> spinner or something on the side that they spin and then they shoot and hope for the best. I just
1: thought of you, like maybe you don't tell your players about the healing effect, <laughs> and so they're it's shooting just, the they're enemies start with it.
0: Shooting people with it. <laughs> <And> they're <laughs> healing the
1: enemies. He's not
0: going down. I don't know why. <laughs> TP. Oh man! Just create a TPK because they just keep killing all the enemies. <laughs> but the idea is that you know you and. You can make it as weak or as strong as you want. You can make it one d six to one d ten if you really wanted to. Right. And hopefully that chance. Now you would still. I would still say you would still add the the damage bonus, the dex bonus, right? Right. So you're still about at least going to get that difference back. But the idea is so absurd that it seems like it would be a lot of fun. I think it would be a great item for like a bard. Yeah. Or an arcane trickster rogue. Yeah. You know, somewhere that go, somebody that goes with that the happy-go-lucky inspirational tricky i even kind concepts. of
1: picture like a barbarian just shooting himself in the foot before <laughs> he runs into battle
0: <laughs> that's kind of his his uh instead of lucky underwear he's got his lucky shot in the foot yeah, let's hope for the best because
1: well, i i was thinking i was like well if he's raging he's gonna take half damage from it but still get the full healing
0: oh that's good that for a barbarian you know be fun. just shoot me bobby <laughs> <laughs> pelted you look like a pin cushion but i feel great <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't you uh, stick that knife in your leg with your <laughs> so, uh, that's the uh, <laughs>
1: magic of the podcast the uh, healing bow yeah. player tip of the podcast is don't D- be a dick and you can avoid dickitude by sh- helping your dm by shifting some of the focus from you as a more active player in the role play to some of the quieter players
0: right for instance say you guys are having a discussion about how to get through this door right? It's barred, it's locked, you know, plus they're a different, whatever. Um, Instead of me saying, well, as the barbarian, I can knock it down, but I could turn over to Ryan here, the rogue and say, Hey, do you think you could pick that lock? Do you think that that's a good idea? Or you think I should just knock it down? Right. So instead of him just saying, I'm going to kick down the door, he's now encouraging activity from another player versus himself. Right.
1: And the DM, your DM will usually try to engage some of the quieter players and get them to interact more.
2: Right.
0: But
1: sometimes it goes a lot further if another player is, you know, directly asking them.
0: Right. And it's more effective if you do it in character. You know,
1: maybe if you're, you know, at a cross or you're at somewhere where you have to make a decision on what to do. And you're, well, what about you? What do you want to do?
0: Yeah.
1: And just, oh, um, um, and you just kind of put it, and it may feel like you're putting them on the spot. Because you kind of are.
0: But that's the point.
1: Yeah, and it'll get them to come out of their shell and it'll get them to learn that role playing is not that hard. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you
0: don't have to do it so much that it makes them uncomfortable, but if you occasionally put them in the spotlight by asking them a question, asking their thoughts on a strategy or what do they think about the, the how we should handle talking to the noble, right. or maybe you're talking to a noble and they'll say, Yeah, what do you think about that, Ryan? You know? Right. It's little things like that will. First of all, it'll make the DM's job easier because now he doesn't have to worry about making sure he's engaging every player because the more people you get, the more difficult that becomes. But if the players start doing it themselves, there becomes a natural conversation that builds from that, Yep. which is really an important, critical part of the social game that is Mm D&D. That's the player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick.
1: Avoid being a dick by shifting focus onto quieter players.
0: Well, that's our show for the day. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. Our next main topic will be an in-depth analysis of the druid and the ranger. If you have any input on our discussion today, whether it's about the uh, the rogue or the bard, or even our question of in regards to the shields, please let us know. Either send us a message through Facebook or email or Twitter. We're pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, let us know your thoughts and your opinions on the subject matter. We know we're not perfect. We will try to del- continue to deliver great content, but we want to hear what you guys think. We want your thoughts and opinions on the subject.
1: Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy, or you can email us at CritAcademy at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at www.CritAcademy.com where you can not only come to support us and support our podcast and what we're trying to do, but you can also find other tools and other pieces of our Unearthed Tips and Tricks on there to help you in your games and help to improve your games.
0: Well, I'm your host, Justin.
1: And I'm your co-host, Ryan. Thanks for listening.
0: Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes.
1: Smashed it.